0: You are Locked On Cubs, your daily Chicago Cubs podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Cubs fans? Welcome to Locked On Cubs. I am your host. Joe Kilgallen. You can follow me on Twitter. That's simply at Joe Kilgallen. Also, follow the podcast on Twitter. That's at Locked on Cubs. And if you like stand up comedy, check out mine. That is on YouTube, youtube.com slash Joe Kilgallen. A lot of fun stuff to talk to you about today, Cubs fans. Coming off of an off day, I'll be previewing the Dodgers series, taking a look at the NL Central. And it's the anniversary of one of the most famous Cubs games in history called the Sandberg game, essentially. So the Ryan Sandberg game, Hall of Famer Ryan Sandberg, on on this date or the day after, I guess this is the 24th now, recording this late at night on the 23rd. On June 23rd, 1984, Ryan Sandberg had a game that basically announced that he had arrived. He had become a superstar. So we're going to take a look at that game and the impact that had on the Cubs and Sandberg's career. But first, I must tell you, this episode is brought to you by Lockdown MLB. Join Walking Baseball Encyclopedia, Paul Francis Sullivan, Sully, every day on Lockdown MLB for a unique look at the majors, both present and past. Hey, we're looking at the past with the Samberg game. What's up, dude? Featuring exciting guests, interviews, routine check-ins from the Lockdown MLB Network's team of local experts. I was on a recent episode earlier this week. So definitely check that out. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcast. All right, Cubs fans. The Cubs have, let's take a look at the NL Central. Let's lead off by getting a real understanding of our division. And wow, what a division it is. It's got teams like the Pittsburgh Pirates, the St. Louis Cardinals, the the Reds of Cincinnati, the Brewers of Milwaukee, and our beloved Chicago Cubs. So here's how the standings break down on June 24th. The Brewers are now a half game ahead of the Cubs. Because the Cubs were off. That's where the half game comes in. The Brewers are 42-33, and 33, 560 win percentage. The Cubs are 41-33, and 33, 554 win percentage. Now, an important thing to note, I feel like this is a big Steve Stone thing. Steve Stone would always point out they're equal in the loss column, though, whenever there's a half game. Because that's where you really want to see. Sometimes you could be half a game back, but you've lost more than the other team. You can't. You could always make up wins. You can't make up losses, is basically Stevie Stone's point. Now, as far as like run differential, which is usually a pretty big indication on some stuff, the Cubs are a plus 24. Brewers almost even, they're minus one. The Reds are a minus 10. The Cardinals are minus 42, and the Pirates, ooh, are a minus 95. That's ugly. The Cubs will be taking on the Los Angeles Dodgers starting tonight in LA, a four-game set where, what, what is Milwaukee doing? Playing Colorado. I swear Milwaukee has had the easiest schedule this month of June. But that's all gonna even out as it does. You play the same schedule essentially. You just have to survive at different points. What makes it weird for the Cubs is you know, we've we've been talking about this at nauseum. It's kind of getting old. Are the Cubs gonna be buyers or are they gonna be sellers? Blah, 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 right? They have to if they're in first place, like I've said a million times, like everyone has been saying, around the all-star break. Then they should be buyers, of course. But we do, we have this weird feeling in the pit of our stomachs, right, Cubs fans? That the ownership, front, I'm saying front office, but we also have to be real with ourselves. its It comes from ownership. Every general manager, every front office, they want to spend, they want to buy, they want to do all that stuff. They all wish they could spend $300 million, but they can't. They can only do what ownership tells them. Ownership gives them a budget. So if Jed's like, hey, I'd like to add $7 million worth of payroll because I think I could swing a trade for this guy, what say you, Tom Ricketts? He has to give the green light on that. They all pretend like, oh, no, he's fully in control of that. Oh, really? He's fully in control of that? And this is the team he he, he brought out there? If he was fully in control, he wouldn't have traded you, Darvish, a guy he helped sign years earlier. And they took so much flack for that. Remember how much flack Theo and Jed got for signing you, Darvish? And they were right. He was the better choice between he and Jake Arietta. But he had a, had a horrible 2018. And so immediately everyone's like, man, Theo Epstein just cannot identify pitching. Theo Epstein and Judd Hoyer, just they keep giving bad contracts away. And then it ended up being a great contract. And he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. So it goes to show you, you can't judge something based on one year, especially a six-year deal. Right? So I believe, sorry, I got a little loud there. I believe that Jed would love to be a buyer, but it, it, the decision comes on high. So I have a feeling they're going to try to wait as long as possible. Right. And then they'll make their decision, which is why the June schedule scared so many Cubs fans. Cause they're like, ah, oh, that's a tough schedule. If we really fall behind there, they're going to they're going to sell everyone off. They're going to use this as the reason. At the same time, the Brewers have this cakewalk of a schedule. It's a joke who, they're, who they've been playing. You know what I mean? They, By by the way, I say that about the Diamondbacks now, but then watch when we face the Diamondbacks, we're going to struggle with them because they they can't be terrible forever, right? Even the worst teams go on a little bit of a run. So hopefully the Rockies show up and take care of the Brewers a little bit for us this weekend. Because I'm just saying, if we, we come out of June, right now we're 11 and 10 in the month of June. If we come out of it around 500, even a little below, say we finish like 13 and 15. I'm not sure how many games are left. I'm just making up numbers. I'm still pretty happy with that because then when we go through our run of an easy schedule, then bam, we make it up. That's how that goes, right? But the Cubs actually face good teams pretty well for the most part. You know, look at the season series. You got to look at the, as a whole, we took four to three from the Mets. As long as we win one game this weekend against the Dodgers, we would have won that season series. We took five of six from the Padres. The Giants, we've lost three or four, too, but we'll we'll get our chance to win some games against them again. I think we faced them in August. So you never know. The The Reds right now are coming on strong. They are 536 and 36, four and a half games back. They need a little bit more pitch in that offense. Though. Oh, man, how, how much do we miss Nick Castellanos? Don't we just, every time we see Nick Castellanos highlight, just think to ourselves, come on. And that's another one that you got to put on ownership. They made that trade. Theo and Jed were like, let's go get Nick Castellanos. They made that trade. Great trade. He was fantastic for us. He loved being here. Every interview, he said, this is heaven. Is this heaven? No, it's Wrigley Field. Nick Castellanos, big stick Nick. Like he was a perfect Cub. He vibed with the team, vibed with the fans, loved the city. You know, there's that famous picture of him on the last game of the regular season where he's just kind of like soaking in Wrigley Field even longer. Everyone's already back in the clubhouse hitting the showers, and he's just chilling there on the front step, just really taking in the scenery. He and he waited late too. That was the big rumor. They're like, they're trying to free up salary to get Nick Castellanos. He's a $16 million hit. They couldn't afford to add that. They they could have. They just didn't want to. That's still I know. I'm sure I'm trying to be I'm trying to keep you guys excited about the Cubs baseball. But you hear that, and don't you just want to like, just like put your head on the desk. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like reliving that is like being in school and knowing that there's a test coming you didn't study for. That same horrible feeling. Because every time I see Nick Castellanos highlight, I'm like, guy should be wearing blue. Damn it, he should be wearing blue. I really feel that way. But the Reds, they're coming on strong a little bit, but nobody's really hot right now in this division. The Cardinals are two games below 500. They're seven back. So they need to figure something out soon. I hope they don't, obviously. And the Pirates, well, they're the Pirates. In the last ten games, the Brewers are four and six. The Cubs are four and six. The Reds are five and five. Cardinals are four and six. And Pittsburgh's three and seven. Nobody has a winning record over the last ten. The Reds are five and five, which is an NL Central sizzling hot. They're on fire. Five and five of their last ten. Slow down, Cincinnati. You know, it's it's crazy right now. They also have a thing uh, at MLB.com where it's like an expected win loss, and so the Cubs are 41 and 33, so they're playing actually a little bit better than the expected win loss because expected win loss is 40 and 34. It's only one game better. Maybe it's a little tip of the head over to Manager David Ross. Whenever teams outplay their expectation, you kind of got to look at the manager a little bit. I feel like the Reds—I'm I mean, sorry, the Brewers—they're expected as 37 and 38. So they shouldn't even be where they are. The Reds, 35 and 37. St. Louis, 32 and 42. See, like, you know, th- these teams are actually playing better than they should be. The Cardinals should be way worse. It's crazy. The Pirates are... Ex- <laughs> this is hilarious. The Pirates are so bad, they're exactly where they're supposed to be. The record's 26 and 46, and their expected win-loss is 26 and 46. Oh, just sadness that is being a Pittsburgh Pirates fan. And I love love you, Pittsburgh, but wow, not fun. Not fun for you guys. Wealthfront, everybody. Day trading is super popular right now. Everyone's talking about it, right? And it could be a lot of fun, but if you really wanna grow your long-term wealth and make it to the moon, you should open up a Wealthfront investment account today decades of data show that investors that trade individual stocks underperform the market every year. In fact, only 1% of day traders beat the market. The odds are not in your favor. So why do it alone? Team up with Wealthfront instead. Wealthfront is trusted with over 20 billion. That's right. 20 billion with a big old capital B dollars of assets. And you could get your first 5,000 managed for free by going to wealthfront.com lockdown MLB. I really want you guys to hear me on this one because this is super important to get your first $5,000 managed for free for life I gotta add that part go to wealthfront.com slash locked on MLB go to wealthfront.com locked on MLB to get started today all right I wanted to get into the Dodgers series a little bit talk about these these Dodgers of Los Angeles they are uh, Walker Bueller that's a tall task uh, tonight's game 9 10 start in Chicago Central Standard Time so it's gonna be oh man I hate these West Coast trips because I like to podcast right after the game because the thoughts are fresh in my mind. and I'm going to be up till one in the morning. Total bummer. All right, but I love it. I love I'm, I'm I'm determined. I'm dedicated to all you wonderful people who listen to this great podcast. And again, thank you for listening to Lockdown Cubs. You guys are fantastic. Zach Davies goes for the Cubs. Davies is coming off a really rough start after having a really solid six week stretch. Not quite as awesome as Kyle Hendricks has been over his last eight to 10 starts. But Davies had been really, really good. But he got lit up by the Marlins. And I remember in one of my postgame recaps I like to do on Twitter, I was like, you know, I'm not going to give Davies too much guff because he had been rolling. And, you know, you're due for a bad game here or there. But hopefully he bounces back and we're going to need him to. We're going to need him to because L.A. is they're good. This is a good team. They're playing good baseball right now, too. The Dodgers in their last 10. I'm sorry, they're six and four. Why did I think they were better? I was reading it wrong. The Giants have won eight of their last 10. The Dodgers have won six of their last 10. Again, that's pretty strong. They've lost two in a row, and they're currently playing the Padres. So you know what? I'm actually rooting for them to win right now because you guys know how I am. I don't like facing teams that are on losing streaks. The Dodgers lose tonight. That's three in a row, which means they're more likely to win, coming back up uh, only two hours north. Eh, San Diego, you could probably get from San Diego to L.A. in an hour and a half if there's no traffic. Do they fly? No, they wouldn't fly, would they? I wouldn't think so. They are a plus 98 run differential. Their expected win loss is 46 and 27. So, manager Dave Roberts has probably cost him a couple games. He's not the sharpest manager, I feel like. That division's strong, though, besides the Rockies and Arizona. Oh, my God. The Arizona Diamondbacks. If you're listening to this in a car, you might want to pull over. You're going to gasp. The Arizona Diamondbacks are 21 and 55. And are 28 games back of the division lead. Man, they're 23 games out of a wild card. Oh man, if you are a Diamondbacks fan, you are just counting the days until preseason football starts. Wow, they've won one of their last ten games. They are a minus 109. They should be better though. They should be 28 and 48. This is just atrocious. I know they had that crazy losing streak on the road and. Wow, is there anyone even good to take from that team? I'll, I'll save the who the Cubs should. You know, I really want to do a a breakdown of potential trade candidates, and July is right around the corner, so we'll be doing that soon because it is wow, well, it's the twenty fourth. We're about a week away from July, and so it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty impressive to see who's out there and who the Cubs could potentially add. I'm sorry, I cannot get over the fact that they are twenty eight games back. It is not even July, and your team is twenty eight games back. Oh, if you are a Diamondbacks fan listening. I hope you have a great rest of the year. You deserve a lot of attention. You, des- I, I, you deserve a spa day if you're a Diamondbacks fan because that is just pure, pure sadness. I'm depressed from reading that Diamondbacks thing. But actually, I should be happy that I don't have to do Locked on Diamondbacks. <laughs> I don't know who those of Locked on Diamondbacks is. But dude, you got a tall task. He or she, you have to talk about that team every day. Ooh, rough. Rob, I don't even know what you do at a certain point. You just do trivia. What? What? You know, reliving the two thousand one World Series. Yeesh. It's just playing. You know, Louis Gonzalez clips over and over again. Thinking about the days he had Randy Johnson. I don't know what else you could talk about because that would be. I am very thankful the Cubs are a competitive team because it's tough. It's tough after losses. Everyone listening, you, you got to understand sometimes that they're really, really bad loss. Like I'm kind of glad that, you know, we take weekends off here. We go Monday through Friday because if I had to cover that horrible, the first two games of that Miami series over the weekend, that had have been rough. Luckily they won on Sunday and I had something at least somewhat positive to report back to you. All right, let's take a look at the rest of the series. Jake Arrieta is going game two against Gonsolin. How do you say his name? Yeah, Gonsolin. He is Young pitcher. Young pitcher drafted not that long ago, I want to say. Tony Gonsolin was drafted by the Dodgers in the ninth round of the 2016 draft. They find some good arms late. I give them credit. They are an organization that just knows how to draft and develop. And they've always been that way too. They have. their current president of baseball operations, Andrew Friedman, is one of the best in the game. Can't take that away from him. I did get into an argument in the offseason about who the best front office guy, president, GM, whatever you want to say has been over the last 25 years. And I said, well, that's easy. That's Theo Epstein. And someone's like, now Andrew Friedman. And I go, well, three world series is bigger than one world series. So, okay. And then they're like, well, you know, it's not always about world series, but all right, well, fine. But even say, let's say it's not just about the rings. Cause again, Theo's got three. Friedman's got one. Okay. Also Theo one in two very difficult places to win in Boston, and Chicago. Furthermore, what Theo did with both of his teams was far more impressive. With the Dodgers, Andrew Friedman, again, who is great. He's great. He took over a team that won 96 games the season before and was division champs the season before. Already had a great farm system. Already had Corey Seager in the farm system. Already had Cody Bellinger in the farm system. I mean, these are MVP candidates I just named. They already had Kershaw. They already had a lot of really strong players. You know, I think his big draft picks have been like Walker Bueller uh the catcher will smith you know but they already had turner they already had like they had a uh, again they had a division championship team when he took them over and they've got a a huge payroll one of the biggest payrolls in baseball over the last decade and they already had a great farm system like i just said also andrew freeman in tampa bay everyone goes what about what he did in tampa yeah he did a great job in tampa but also didn't draft carl crawford didn't draft ben zobris right? Didn't draft Dave, maybe David Price. He took, I'm not sure. But I remember really breaking it down once when I got into this argument because I'll go deep in facts. If you want to debate me, I'm doing my homework. I'm coming prepared. I'm coming guns blazing. You better be ready. And I won the argument. People around us at the bar were like, where well, was that really at a bar? Where were we? I can't remember. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It was softball. We're playing softball. It doesn't matter. I'm sorry, everybody. You ever just have a memory where you're like, where was I when I won this amazing argument? Everyone agreed that I had won because what Theo has done has been more impressive. Theo, you know, I just complimented Friedman on drafting Gonsolin late, but Theo Epstein drafted Anthony Rizzo in the sixth round, Mookie Betts in the fifth round. You know what I mean? Some of his guys are. There was a year in 2016, 2017, where half the All Star team on both sides were people that Theo Epstein had acquired at one point or another, whether it was drafted or traded for or signed. Like, our guy, Don Frederick, the director of morale, had sweatshirts made called Theo's League. Hats made Theo's League. And it is. I mean, not right now, unless he becomes the commission, then it's legitimately Theo's League. But no, what Freeman's done is amazing. Where I give him a lot of credit is like a Max Muncy type signing. You know, those are the ones that go under the radar where you're like, that's a good that's a good signing. So he And he did a good job of not giving up on some of their prospects or not trading away any prospects. He did a good job in that regard, like holding on to them. Now, the Cubs, you could say, maybe didn't do as good job because they let Eloy go. They let Cease go. Although Cease is having a nice year this year. Last year, he was awful. People kept going like, and Cease. I'm like, did you look at his stats last year? Like, the ERA was four, but it should have been like a six and a half. He was not very good. He was a minus player. He was a negative wins above replacement. That means any fool from AAA could have came up and given you the same amount of production. And Eloy, until he becomes a DH, will be injured every year of his career saying that right now i'm not hoping for that of course you don't hope for injuries although unless you're playing that team in the world series then then all bets are off i've said that before you're if you're a fan you're crazy you know if, you, if you're a fan and you're if, if for game seven all of a sudden someone's like Corey kluber like you know twisted his ankle skateboarding i would have been like great great you know what i mean and then people are like oh you're rooting for injury i'm like it's game seven and i want my team to win so yeah sure i don't want him to die i don't want a serious injury i want him to miss this day could he, could he just have bad diarrhea? Could he be out with, with some, with some strong case of the runs? And then, and then you're happy about it. Right? So yes, Andrew Friedman's been great. Dodgers as an organization has been fantastic, but they've been built that way. They've had a great farm system since Jackie Robinson. So it's, it's hard to deny. I just wish that the Cubs during this recent run would have kept spending like they did, but you know what else they did that I liked? They left something to be added. What I mean by that, and this is one—the only real strike I had against Theo and Jed during their run was in 2017 season, or after it. I'm sorry. Going into 2018, I was a fan of the Darvish signing. I was a fan of the Brandon Morrow signing, even though Morrow ended up getting hurt. He got hurt because Joe Maddon pitched him three days in a row when Joe Maddon was told not to pitch him three days in a row. And again, I'm not—I love Joe Maddon, but in that regard, he was—he handled bullpens very strangely. So that's what led to Morrow's injury. And Morrow, of course, hasn't pitched in baseball since. But I was okay with that signing at the time. It was a two-year deal. You never really truly get too upset with two-year deals. And he was coming off of a couple seasons in which he was unreal. The signing I had a problem with for the before 2018 was the Tyler Chatwood signing. I think they got too into the idea that, oh, he's got a great ERA away from Coors. This is the guy we should go for and all this stuff. The reason was because I thought Mike Montgomery did enough to deserve that fifth starter spot. So the 2018 Cubs rotation should have been John Lester, you Darvish, Kyle Hendricks. I just thought Mike Montgomery should have been the number five guy. But they had Darvish, Lester, Hendricks as like the big three. And then they had Chatwood, but then they had to acquire Cole Hamels. This is going to drive me nuts. I'm sorry, listeners. Who was the guy who was going to be the fifth starter that season? Uh okay. No, was it wasn't. I'm not sure. Anyway, I'm sorry. Screwed that up. Bad, uh, bad podcasting on my end. But my point was, I thought they should have gone that route instead of giving $13 million to Tyler Chatwood. Because in my mind, it's sometimes you want to add at the deadline. The Cubs had themselves in some situations besides 2019 where they had a Castellanos where there wasn't like a big splash move to make. And the Dodgers had back-to-back years where they made the big splash move, whether it was acquiring Manny Machado, in 2018 or in 2017 when they acquired you Darvish, there's something about getting that big name that's out there that kind of just jacks up the entire team. It gets them ready to go to battle. And they're like, hell yeah, our front office is 100% behind us. They went out and got the biggest stud in the market. Let's go. And then it just kind of inspires a team. And that's something that's like the Cubs with Chapman in 2016 had that effect, you know, 2017 Quintana. if they don't trade for Jose Quintana in 2017, they don't win the division that year. Because he was fantastic for us that second half of that season when we acquired him, so those those moves like that really inspire. And I think if if I were you know GM, I would kind of leave a little something off. I'd be like the team right now is set up great, but that leave something because you never know when a need might arise. Then you might need a hitter, you might need something. So you don't you don't want to go in with a team that's like perfect, perfect on paper. You want a little wiggle room to maneuver around the roster. At least that's how I view it. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for you to go to your local chain auto parts store and be like, "Hey, I need this." Right? It's pointless. You're going to go there and some dudes going to be like, "Oh, what's the VIN number on this?" And you're going to be like, "Dude, I don't know." That's why I'm here for you. So don't 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 waste your time anymore. What you want to do is you want to save time and money when you use Rock Auto. Okay? Rock Auto is a family business serving Uh, do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years how about that rock auto's prices are reliably low for every customer they've got everything every make and model you could even think of rockauto.com has it so go to rockauto.com right now that's right pause this podcast and go right there to see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so, they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Bet Online, everyone. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and your UFC MMA action. McGregor Poirier, fight number three coming up. The rubber match between the two of those. So, you're going to want to put some money on it. I don't know. I'm I'm a big, I like Conor McGregor a lot, but I feel like he's just got too much money. He just made another couple hundred million dollars off of his whiskey sale. So it's like how much desire do you have to get punched in the head when you have that much money in the bank? That's why they say all the the best fighters have always been poor once they get too rich. Anyway, it's the plot of Rocky three or four before your next pitch, head over to bet online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the action. Sign up bonuses and contest information. So, head to the website on your mobile device, sign up today, receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online your online sportsbook experts, promo code locked on. All right, Cubs fans, this is a deep cut. Yesterday was the anniversary of what is known as the Sandberg game, one of the most famous games, and uh, definitely over the last 40 years of Cubs baseball. It was the 1984 season. Hopes were high. Ryan Sandberg was in basically his second full season. Now his third season, he was a rookie in 81. So 82, 83, but 84, he was ready to shine. He would go on to win the MVP that year. And what a exciting dynamic player he was. He had a near nine war season. He was a guy who had almost 20 triples. He had 19 triples. Stole 50 bases, had 50-some-odd doubles, only hit 19 home runs, but he used the whole right field line to left field line, sprayed the ball over the place, played phenomenal defense. It was just a guy who played the game hard and played the right way. My father actually believes that when Samberg became more of a home run hitter later in his career, it kind of ruined him from what he was. He was a better player when he was taking the outside pitch and going to right center and all that. And then uh, Cubs had a hitting coach in the late 80s. was just like, you know, you get a little more power if you pull the ball more. And he did end up bleeding the league in home runs in 1990. He had 40 bombs, won the home run derby that year too. Home run derby was at Wrigley Field, which I thought was pretty cool. The hometown guy wins it. We need the all-star game back at Wrigley, don't we? it's, ni- it's Since 1990, it's been over 30 years since there's been an all-star game at Wrigley Field. That's crazy. And before that, it was 1962. We're due. We're doing, I know they always want to do it some new park and they want to show it off, but it's Wrigley Field. It's iconic. Get it on that Midsummer Classic. Let everyone see. All right, so Sandberg was five for six that game. He had game-tying home runs against Cardinals closer Bruce Souter, who's in the Hall of Fame, and one of the nastiest pitches anyone's seen in their life. He had this like forkball, like split finger pitch that just dropped off the table. Hitters always swung over the top of it. He was in the All-Star game. He pitched two innings in an All-Star game, Bruce Suter, and struck out five of the six guys. And each one of them was just shaking their head. So Sandberg, who was just in his third, again, like I said, third uh, full season, would drive in seven runs, and he would rally the Cubs from an early 7-1 deficit. Oh, God, I'd love to have been at that game. Imagine you're down 7-1. If Twitter was around back then, everyone would be like, this game's over, turning this off. no fun. This team's lifeless you know, all that kind of nonsense. And then they would have felt like idiots when they came back to win. So with one coming in the first inning, another in the fifth on his only non hit of the day in RBI ground out. talk about production. That's what he would do well back then too. Oh, runner on third base, less than two outs. I'll hit a fly ball. I'll have the ball over there. I'll advance the runner. I'll do whatever it takes. I'm a winner. So the Cubs trailed nine, eight, right? With Suter coming in. This is the bottom of the ninth. They're down by one. And again, this is a pitcher who finished with a 1.54 ERA and 45 saves that season, right? Comes in and then boom, home run, left field, only like three rows up, you know, not too deep. Uh, Just Wrigley was going insane, right? But the Cubs couldn't get any more runs and St. Louis scored twice in the top of the 10th to take an 11-9 lead. And Sandberg was able to come right back up with two out and no one on. Bobby De worked a walk from Suter. See, back then, closers went multiple innings all the time. Samri then followed with another home run to tie the game at 11. It's crazy. It marked the first time Suter had surrendered two home runs to the same batter in the same game and represented 22% of all the homers Suter would allow that season. That's that's what makes it such a remarkable game, too, is this wasn't off of some chump bullpen arm. This was off of Bruce Suter. You know, and here's a quote from Sandberg saying, you don't really go into it. Bats think about hitting a home run against a pitcher like Bruce Suter. You go up there just thinking about making contact. And he was, Sandberg was a high contact guy, but look at the whole eighties. People didn't walk a lot in the eighties and they did not strike out a lot. I remember growing up thinking that Andre Dawson was a guy who struck out a lot. And now I was looking through his numbers. He didn't hardly, he'd be considered an elite contact bat. If you played in today's game, it's crazy. So the Cubs wouldn't need any further help from Sandberg, though, because they scored in the bottom of the 11th, an RBI single by Dave Owen to win the game, and the Cubs would, of course, go on to win the National League East that season, making their first postseason appearance in 39 years. How about that? There was a great documentary on HBO called Wait Till Next Year, the saga of the Chicago Cubs, and there's a really cool moment when it was in some season. The Cubs hadn't been in first place in a long time, and the whole crowd waited because, you know, on top of the Wrigley Field scoreboard, they have the the standings. And the Cubs blue flag had not been on top of the standings in decades, sadly. So they were waiting and waiting around and they finally realized, oh, we gotta change this immediately. So they told the scoreboard, guys, you get up there and change the flag. And then they raised the flag and the crowds the sound the crowd made, the roar, I remember getting like misty eyed. I remember being like, oh man, there's nothing in my eye. I'm crying. Here we go. I'm getting sad. Like, it just gave you goosebumps. And I just kind of thinking to myself, man, we Cubs fans nowadays, we have it too good. Too good. We have, what, six winning seasons in a row? Back then, they would have killed for just a 500 season at times. So the 84 Cubs were the first Cubs team since 1945 to go to the playoffs. And they blew a 2-0 lead. They're up two over San Diego and San Diego won three straight. And Leon Durham was buckner before buckner i'll one day break down the 84 season not that i know it well i was a week old uh but yes now you guys know my age how about that so again look look at the numbers Sandberg, 314 batting average 19 triples 19 home runs 84 runs batting he was in two so you're not gonna get a lot of rbis there 114 runs scored led the nl and um yeah just an incredible season he's a base dealer too everyone stole base in the 80s these 80s were fun Fun baseball back in the 80s. All right, Cubs fans, that has been it for me for the Lockdown Cubs podcast. Uh, make sure you uh, subscribe to us on wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Feel free to write a review. Tell your friends about it. Tell your, your mom and dad. Gather around the whole family. And go, hey, let's listen to some Lockdown Cubs. All right, hopefully the Cubs take a game from the Dodgers tonight and have some fun stuff to talk with you guys about tomorrow. Check out Lockdown Today, everybody. Get all your sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Lockdown Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you listen to your podcasts.